Smarty Pants Lance, Smarty Pants Lance, Smarty Pants Lance. Some friends of mine have been hakamir nikkai chinik already about me doing a podcast. So here, to satisfy them, uh, you know, I don't think anyone knows what that phrase is. It's an idiomatic phrase from Yiddish, and it means, uh, well, literally, knock to me not a tea kettle. So in other words, like somebody rattling a tea kettle in an annoying way, it means basically to bother or annoy or to work their uh, the last nerve. Um, and that got me thinking just now, you know, that whole generation that, that knew those phrases, they're, they're so long gone. Uh, that was a, a phrase that I picked up when I was a kid from my great-grandparents who were from the old country. Now, they never told me which one, and they'd always say, when I was a boy, in the old country, we didn't have a, you know, and uh, from what I understand, the old country was the Ukraine and uh, where they lived was whatever town or village that the Tsar wasn't kicking the Jews out of at that moment. You know, kind of like downtown Anatevka and Fiddler on the Roof, if you've, if you've seen it. So that generation is long gone. But again, it started making me think about my great-grandparents and how they ripped me off to start with because they refused to speak Yiddish and German and Russian around me as a kid because they didn't want us to know anything about the old country. And, you know, what a ripoff, man, because if they would have spoken around me as a little child, those languages, I would have had them now, now trying to go back and relearn them at my age, forget it, right? So here's what they used to do, though. <laughs> uh, Ed Sullivan was on on Sunday nights, and they wanted to come over because we had a color TV, and it was a big console, and, you know, uh, an era long ago again. And they would come over about 15 minutes before Ed Sullivan would start. And the doorbell would ring, and my mother would say, you know, answer the door, it's your, you know, it's your great-grandparents, you know, it's Max and Minnie. And I'd go answer the door, and they'd say, Listen, we were in the neighborhood. We thought we'd stop by. And it's like, I just walk away and just leave the door open because why do we have to go through this routine? I would tell them all the time, right? I mean, they have to pretend like they're not there to really visit or to eat dinner or anything. And they'd be like, listen, we don't want to bother. We don't, we, 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 we just stopping by. We just want to say hello. We, we don't even want to come in. And it's like, oh God. And then my mother would come over. Come on in, come on in. And they're like, no, no, listen, you got a family, you, you got this, you know, it's like, oh my God, and I would just roll my eyes every Sunday. Who else would show up at 7.45, 15 minutes before Ed Sullivan? And eventually they'd come in and they go, well, maybe we'll come in just for a minute, but not too long. And so they'd come in, the TV trays were already set up. My mother had already had dinner prepared for them that's left over from us. They already had the favorite soft drinks ready. Everything was ready to roll. And then it'd be like, uh, look, I fixed you some food. Oh, no, we just ate. We don't want the burden. You got a family. And it's like, oh, God. And then they go, well, I don't know. What's that? Brisket? Brisket. No, I couldn't either. How much brisket you got? And then it's like, well, you know, we got this for you. And eventually they'd sit there and they'd eat. And uh, then, annoying. Talk about hocking me Nick Chinik. My great-grandfather, Max, who, by the way, we always called Beans because of this same joke that he told every time, the unfunny joke. Uh, he was a kosher butcher, had sausagey fingers, bald head. You know, if you were casting a TV show, that's that's a guy you would cast. And he would say, hey, hey, schnickel, yeah, 
You have any beans? Run to play my orchestra. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, not funny. Not funny. And anyway, we just called him Beans. Uh, <clears throat> at least uh, behind his back. He also had an inguinal hernia, which made his wife beater t-shirt stick out because he was too cheap to have it repaired. Another story. He would watch Ed Sullivan and then repeat everything that just happened or Ed Sullivan said back to my great-grandmother as if she wasn't sitting right there watching the TV with him. Now that I found annoying as hell. That to me is Hockmere Nick Chynick. Anyway, anyway, uh, you know. So they're asking me to do this podcast and, you know, give it a good 20 minutes. Fine, I'll do my usual stream of consciousness. It does remind me, though, that about 10, no, 12 years ago, I had an actual terrestrial radio show on Saturday afternoons at 1 o'clock, and um, I would uh, show up to do my show. It started as a half an hour, then it became an hour, then it became two hours, and yeah, it became popular, and it was really a fun thing to do. I would do this show, but here's the thing about radio that I don't think people know. They hear a voice on the radio, and they maybe they imagine it, or they don't imagine where you know it's coming from. Look, when it comes to AM broadcast radio, for the most part, it's like a meal. Don't look in the kitchen to see how it's made. Let me tell you, pretty much every AM radio station is like this. Every chair is broken. Everything is falling over in different directions. Everything is dusty and sticky. You know, the chalk mark on the carpet that hasn't been changed in 25 years is still there from the time somebody collapsed and died. Um, And in this particular station, it was up on an earthen mound. Why? Because it was out in between farmland that was irrigated, and one year the whole place flooded. So they had to rebuild it, but they raised it up about 20 feet onto this mound. And in order for the toilet to work, they had to put in an electric pump to pump the water from the irrigation system up to the commode. Now, more than half the time, the farmer would redirect the water to irrigate his crops, meaning there was no water to fill the toilet or for the sink, which means if you had to go at any time, you can forget it. You either have to go outside, which you can't, or use the bathroom, which means that when I used to drive up there, I'd have to stop off at Carl's Jr. and use their bathroom uh, on the way there and on the way back. Does this sound like the kind of romance people have with radio? Uh, I mean, really. Oh, by the way, I was thinking one day, if there were high schools for people in different members of entertainment or press, it would start like this. Newspaper high, that's been closed for years. The windows are all broken out. It's tagged everywhere, you know, with gang symbols. And nobody goes to newspaper high anymore because pretty much nobody writes for newspapers anymore. I mean, yeah, there's a few, but, you know, there's there's not, not really a big call for that. The next thing up is radio high. Now, radio high is in a rundown area town, and it pretty much has a student body that has virtually no talent at all at least uh, in modern radio days. I mean, maybe 50, 60, 70 years ago they did. But Radio High is this dilapidated place. You know, there's gang wars going on. Uh, for the less intelligent, no talented. But it turns out students that barely have, you know, the equivalent of a GED or high school diploma that are both megalomaniacal and have inferior complex. They, they're, they're megalomaniacs with an inferiority complex. That's radio people, Right. They'll tell you their jackass opinions, and they'll use their radio voice. 
which people say I have one, but I'm not putting it on. This is my actual voice you're listening to. I'm not, you know, adding any spin to it or, or anything like that. Now, above radio high is TV high. Now, in TV high, uh, those people wear the latest clothes. Their hair is just so. They got Aquanet all in it so it doesn't move in a hurricane. And, you know, they're all about checking out their reflection. Even if it's in a puddle on the ground, they got to check themselves out. And, you know, it's all about vanity and themselves and how do I look on camera. Now, we move up to like a Beverly Hills type area, a rich, rich area. And that's where Movie High is. Now, Movie High, those people that attend Movie High, now we're talking whatever they rolled off the floor in. It could be a sweatshirt. It could be a t-shirt. It could be no shirt. And they're wearing a ball cap to cover their sort of greasy hair that they haven't washed in quite a while. And they're wearing Chuck Taylor tennis shoes. or And, you know, they're very casual. And they never, ever, ever talk about what they do. That's movie high people. Now, going back, TV high people, all they do is brag about what they do. I'm on TV, you know. I'm on the news. And that's what they do. They brag and brag. Radio high brag even more, but they got nothing to brag about. These people, I mean... <laughs> One of the biggest radio stations uh, in the United States is um, ends in the call letters BK, and we all called it the BK. This is a station at night that was so powerful that it actually could go from Alaska to Nebraska and all the way down to Central and South America and way out to sea at night. So at night, they had a guy doing their news. They paid a minimum wage. This guy used to actually eat discarded food from the sales team from the morning before. He would walk around, oh, look, you know, kind of like George Costanza on Seinfeld, half an eclair sitting on top of the trash can. Oh, he'd eat it. You know, he was so notorious. He also, for a news guy, this poor guy, he had a lisp and a speech impediment. This is where radio has gone. He'd actually, uh, he would do the news like this. So, it's... Five o'clock and time for news on KFBK. Honest to God, he would stumble and stagger. And oh, this is where radio went. I mean, when I was growing up, they still had actual people that were from the 40s, 50s uh, doing the news. And they'd have a sound like this It's 84 degrees in St. Louis from Radio Park. This is KXOK 2020 News. And they'd have names like, I'm Stephen B. Stevens, I'm Chase Foster. You know, and it, 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 it echoed and boomed and, and uh, had a spirit to it. And not anymore, my friends. It's a shame people that never experienced it don't know what that sounds like. I suppose you could find it on the internet and, and maybe, um, you know, get uh, Real Radio, I think, is the site that does that. But so anyway, I grew up with these relatives. I get ripped off in speaking. Oh, yeah, by the way. They made me go to freaking Hebrew school. I hated every moment of it, all right? And they would tell me at Sunday school and Hebrew school, we, we'd go through the holidays. And the teachers always were like, today, during the, uh, the Halloween, we shall distribute collection boxes. It will be trick-or-treat for UNICEF. And you, you little shits, you won't, you won't, you won't, you won't steal the dimes and nickels. Right? And it's like trick-or-treat for UNICEF? I mean, I might as well walk around with my shoelaces untied and a load. Okay, I mean, talk about... <laughs> the whole purpose of Halloween is for little kids. Not anyone older than just little kids and to get candy so you can get cavities and be taken to the dentist. 
who, by the way, when I was a kid, not only was the dentist a smoker, he'd smoke while he worked on you. And he'd have an ashtray right there on the tray next to the pick and the explorer. And he'd be, you know, ah, yeah, how's it doing that, kid? And he'd take a drag and blow the smoke, and he'd have his nicotine tar-stained fingers in your mouth. No gloves in those days. But you know what? Eh, we all survived it, right? So speaking of surviving uh, the dentist, you know, <laughs> here's some of the things I survived when I was a kid that today everybody all freaked out about. Uh, amalgam fillings. Those are those silver fillings that are half mercury. Oh, my God. Who would do those today, right? I think they're banned in Europe and have been banned for a long time. Everyone smoked everywhere, in the car, in the elevator, in the office, in your face. No airbags, uh, no seatbelts. Red dye number two in the hot dogs when you were in the grade school cafeteria or the buns turned all pink from them. Uh, there's a million things to think about. Oh, you know what else? We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have an internet. Um, the only phone was the one bolted to the wall in the kitchen. And now I'm starting to think that I'm sounding like my like Beans, my great-grandfather. You know, well, and I was a boy. We didn't have a... You know, we didn't. But how is it that we survived? And I wonder whether that is actually better. Because what we used to do, this is in the Midwest, is we would go out and play. We walked to school. We walked back from school. The requirement was was just be home by supper and you know get out of the house. In fact, it was punishment to be grounded and be in the house. In the winter, we'd have snowball fights. We'd do a lot of stuff, but we were left for hours and hours and hours alone, wandering through the woods, wandering streets, walking around, getting into different imaginary. You know, we would do things like um, play cops and robbers or. Cowboys and Indians, oh man, you know, today that's just not PC, right? Um, play on the monkey bars, you know, it was at the bottom of the, not some rubber mat that was, you know, everything padded. Oh no, it was dirt or some kind of cement down there. So if you fell and you twisted or broke something, that's how you learn. And everyone just sort of took that as uh, normal. You, you get, you know, you get tough. And I, I think that was a better way. Now, in high school, I was too afraid to talk to a girl. Oh, man, was I shy. The idea of talking with a girl, my heart would start to pound, my face would flush, and, you know, I, I, I'd start to get nervous, and then even worse, like Cliff Clavin on Cheers, my voice would crack. So I might say something like, uh, uh, um, Hi, Betsy. <clears throat> Hi, Betsy. <clears throat> Hi, Betsy. Hi. Oh, boy. And it's, you know, oh, I had braces then. Not the nice little hidden ones like today. Oh, no. They had what was called the bag method. The bag method. Big metal bands around each tooth, upper and lower, which they called an appliance. An appliance, like it's a toaster or a refrigerator, really. And I said, is it called the bag method? Because you beg them not to put those braces on your teeth. And they had rubber bands. The rubber bands went back to front, up to bottom, and every time you talk to somebody, one of the rubber bands come flying out of your mouth right at them. Can you imagine? I'm not only am I nervous trying to talk to a girl, just scared to death of them, and my voice is cracking, and then a, a, a gushy saliva-covered rubber band goes flying out of my mouth right in her face or on her dress. Ugh. I'll tell you what, not to mention... The acne, you know, they didn't really have a lot of sophisticated stuff. So you were pucky, 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 pucky every morning. 
felt like you walked around with a neon sign pointing to your face, but yeah, a lot of kids had that, I suppose. You're more self-conscious and, than, than when you notice about other people. But I think something is lost now that I think about it, because the girls in high school, there was a mystery there. There was, you know, they wear dresses, and they were, kind of, they were you know, uh, what what is that mystery we uncover? There was a certain allure. There was, you know, of course, hormones everywhere at that age, but there was... Um, I don't know, it was just different. I mean, today, the idea of just texting stuff and body parts everywhere, like it's some kind of medical textbook, I, I just don't think that, that, I just don't think that is romantic. It's just not. And also, if you wanted to ask somebody out, which I never did, by the way, in high school, I was too afraid, but you still had to, I mean, you couldn't just text them. You couldn't email them. There was no way to communicate with them. You either had to talk to them right in person or you had to call their house. Now, in the neighborhood I lived in, later we moved to Los Angeles, and that's when I might have dated. The um, the neighborhood, if you got the phone number, and most people's phone numbers were published in the book, I would plan it out. Okay, well, I should, I'm going to call Monday. First, no, Mondays aren't good days. I think I'll wait. And then Tuesday, it's like, well, you know, oh, I've got to do the dishes. Yeah, yeah, right. Maybe after I do the, oh, I got homework, you know, so then an excuse. Now it's Wednesday, and I'd look over at the phone, and it would be normal size, and I'd glance at it again, and it'd be 10 times bigger, and my heart would start to pound. And, uh, you know, then then I'd think, okay, well, let me think Friday. No, Friday's like for, for the weekend, it seems to but I'll call Thursday. So now Thursday, I try to cowboy up. I'm ready to go. I pick up the phone. I dial. I either got the non-English-speaking maid at the houses. neighborhood we lived in had a lot of... Uh, what they used to call in those days domestics. And then go, bueno. And I'd be like, um, hi, this is, <clears throat> hi, this is, uh, uh, and click. So then I have to call back. Hi, this is, uh, Lance, and, um, I'm looking for, uh, may I, may I please speak with, um, um, uh, Betsy? And they'd be like, no, 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 it's key, click. Or, Sometimes the dad would answer, oh, my God, that was terrifying, right? Have any of you ever experienced, I, I don't know, and you'd call and you hear this. Everyone, every dad to me sounded like they had acid indigestion and a headache and hadn't slept well the night before and something happened at work that was bad. And they'd answer the phone, hello. Um, he goes, hi, is this, Mr., is this Mr. Smith? And I was like, yeah, who's this? Yeah, my name is Amalans. Um, and I'm a fellow student at, at the, uh, high school. And I was like, what is this regarding? Um, well, I was wondering if, you know, so, no, no, no. well, she's not in right now. You'll have to call back. Click. Talk about, oh, my God, the, the, trying to face that on top of the nervousness of talking to a girl. So anyway, I just never, I just never did. I, I you know, and even though I actually got attention, but I didn't know what that meant in high school. I didn't know that if a girl actually bothers to talk with you, or ask you what you're doing after school, or are you going to go to the game, that that's a sign of interest. I, I had no clue. I was too busy being a nerd, drawing electronic diagrams, because at the time, I was going to be an electrical engineer. And that's where I thought I would be, you know, hang out in the lab and, uh, you know, by myself. Eventually, as I worked at a job like that, in research and design, I became more and more outgoing, and then, you know, I decided I got to learn how to be you know how to socialize, and that's a whole other story, maybe for another time. Although, I'll tell you what, by today's standards, I really do think that right-wing chicks are much hotter than left-wing chicks. 
to me. They just don't. I mean, right-wing chicks, um, I think the description was best said. <laughs> One of my favorite series of the last number of years called Rake, R-A-K-E. It was it's based about this uh, Australian barrister, and I think it was on Netflix or HBO, an original series. Netflix, I believe, yeah. And um, one day he was drunk. Well, most days on the series he was drunk. And he's talking to a clown at his children's birthday party. And he says, white ring chicks are much harder than left wing chicks. And you know why that is, Mr. Clown? And then he goes on and he says, right wing chicks are carnivores. They're aggressive carnivores and Ayn Rand acolytes who understand the value of the moment. And understanding the value of the moment, they know that sex is beholden to nothing and no one and are therefore more free, or some words to that effect, which makes them less inhibited and therefore hornier. Left-wing chicks, he goes on to say to this clown at this party, they're all vegans and um, everything is about context and they're looking for a holistic experience and they treat an orgasm as if it's a pet spaniel. As a consequence, the entire movement or the entire moment, not movement, well, hmm, the entire moment is ruined and that is why. And I got to tell you, that has been my experience. You know, I, I have a thing about hippies. Well, I also have a thing about swimming pools. So, I don't know. Let's talk about both. Uh, hippies, you know, to me, they're always reeking of patchouli and wearing Jesus sandals and toting peace, you know, peace beads and wearing tie-dye shirt and talking about, man, what's fair, man? And, you know, it goes around, comes around, blah, blah. Every hippie, stupid, nonsensical thing. Uh, just no. No. And, you know, can you take a bath? Can you cut your hair? Boy, I'm sounding like my great-grandma. When did I become him? And swimming pools. Ugh. When I was a kid in the summer, after we did chores, tried to make some money mowing lawns, find bottles to return, the only thing really to do was go to the community center, to the community center's swimming pool, which was outdoors. I hate swimming pools from that experience. First of all, you show up, and you start maybe in the shallow end, and the warm wave goes by you. You, Mr. Man. And then there's bunion covers and Band-Aids and cigarette butts and clumps of hair in there. It's ugh, disgusting. And the old ladies standing with their gross toenails that are like five different chipped-off colors of toenail paint and their fungus. And God knows what going on with their, with their old, you know, rubber swim cap that stinks of... Some kind of old lady and musty and mildew and chlorine smell. And they're smoking a cigarette, right? And they're dropping the ashes across their fat bellies and across by the... Ugh, you you got to look at that when you're at like, you know, water level right there by the skimmer pots. Then you get out of the pool. And for a second, it's okay. But then as soon as your feet dry off, you hit the super blazing hot cement. I mean, this stuff is like hotter then a hot apple pie from McDonald's right out of the microwave, right? And it's, oh, 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 all the way over to your towel. Now the snack bar. Oh, there's a treat. You got puddles of water coming off of people and your bare feet are in these puddles of water. You're stuck in a line. And then you got like, you know, the relish, the pickle relish and the mustard. It's got the one disgusting spoon and flies all over it. And everybody's hands been on that spoon and breathing on it. Uh, and the trash cans. Eventually, all filled to overflowing, there's, they reek and there's wasps 
circling around. All of those are my associations with swimming pools. Now, I had a girlfriend who was an expert swimmer. She did Ironmans, and she kept trying to convince me that I should get in the pool with her. And I'm like, a ah, hell no. So we go to Las Vegas, and I, we go to the Mandalay Bay because I know she likes swimming pools, and they have great pools there. And she says, well, how about the Lazy River? We can get an inner tube, and we can float around the Lazy River, which is a sort of river. It's, it's got a, a current behind it, and you go around in a slow circle, and there's a waterfall there. And I said, are you kidding me? Have you seen those fat, bloated German businessmen in there? They've been drinking beer, and they haven't gotten out of the inner tube to get out of what I would call the River E. coli for hours. That whole thing's like a beer return in there. Plus the little kids and their stupid swim diapers. I mean, you're talking about, to me, a swimming pool is nothing but a large container of liquid toxic waste. Ugh! No, no, I'm not swimming. And you know what? That goes for the ocean too. Now, I don't know about liquid toxic waste, maybe some areas, right? But you can't even see to the bottom. And then something wraps around it. It's like algae and it's all stick roll. And the salt water sticks to you. And then you get sand in the... Ah, no. Now, I wouldn't mind being on a boat on the ocean or on the beach looking at it. Now, that I would enjoy, you know, a nice, uh, like a campfire thing, you know, at night and, and all that and with some friends and in the ocean and the sun. I love that. That's great. But getting in the water, no. Okay, well, that's it for now. See you at the pool.